Well, good evening, everybody. It is so good to see you this evening. Welcome to the camp. So glad to see everyone here. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad to see you. Amen. Would you be open to, uh, to, to receiving from the Lord tonight? If God has something for you, are you ready for that? Are you ready to see God move? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let me uh, begin this evening by just reminding you of a couple of things. Uh, of course, uh, this coming Sunday uh, will be our blood drive, will be a blood drive. So if you have not signed up uh, to be a part of that, you still have a chance. And uh, come with that in mind on Sunday uh, and be a blessing in that regard. And then also we announced Sunday, but I want to remind you there has been a, a, a tab for you to pay uh, your Mission Louisiana pledge. Uh, it has been set up on the church app and on the website. So when you get ready to, to do that and to fulfill your commitment to Mission Louisiana, uh, we'll make it easy for you there. And then finally, last, uh, last but certainly not least, we're announcing the uh, 30th pastoral anniversary celebration the weekend of August 12th. And that uh, the high, kind of a highlight there will be August 12th um, uh, banquet uh, from 6 to 9 at Forest Grove Plantation. All we need from you is an RSVP, and you can do that. There's a link uh, that'll be coming your way in an email, uh, in the uh, Grace uh, Weekly email update, and uh, just click there and let us know how many are coming, and you will be our guest, and we will be happy to have you there uh, to celebrate Brother and Sister Murphy. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to have a pastor that speaks into our lives and speaks into our family, speaks into our church? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So we're going to, we're just going to, the Bible says, give honor to whom honors do. And so that's what we're going to do uh, that weekend. So mark it on your calendar and let's be prepared and excited about that time. Stand with me if you would this evening. Uh, we want to go to the Lord in prayer, uh, certainly welcoming his presence into this place. And uh, before, we, before we do, I have a couple of prayer requests I want to bring your way. Um, but before I do that, first, a praise report. Um, it's, I just, you know, uh, pastor preached it Sunday, but God, but God. When you put God in the mix, anything is possible. And uh, pastor brought to our church a prayer, requ prayer request several weeks ago for some dear, dear friends of theirs, um, Betty and Larry who stood in need of prayer. Uh, Sister Betty had uh, what the doctor said was a very aggressive form of cancer that had spread all over her body and would just be a, a just very hard to contain and to deal with. When they went in for surgery, they found that the cancer was very much contained in just a very small area. They were able to get it all, got a complete bill of health. God is good, and God answered your prayer, Grace Church. Amen. Amen. And I, I bring that to you by way of, or, or to give you that praise report, but also uh, Brother Larry and Sister Betty wanted to say thank you for praying. Thank you so much for lifting them up in prayer. They are ecstatic about what God has done. So thank God for that. With that in mind, let me bring you two prayer requests. We, we want to call uh, to the Lord tonight. Um, you pro many of you have probably heard about the young man in the central community that died tragically this week or last week. And uh, that funeral is Friday, and we want to lift up the Easterling family this week and, and tonight. God, they need a touch from God. They need God's 
help tonight. So let's pray for the Easterling family in their time of tragic loss. And then also the Adams uh, family has turned in. Uh, Brother Jonathan Adams' brother and sister-in-law uh, has just, just a new baby girl has been born to them just in the last couple of hours. And uh, there are some complications and they've asked the church to pray. So let's remember this request as well. Can we pray together tonight? Lift your hands, lift your voice, and let's let God have his way. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, I know that there is nothing too hard for you. I know, God, that you are the one that heals our diseases. Lord, you see our needs. And God, I'm calling tonight the Easterling family. I'm calling uh, Lord Jonathan Adams' brother and his family, this baby girl. God, I believe you're going to work from this self-same hour. Lord, I believe you're going to move and hear our prayer. And I pray tonight, God, that you would impact us, God, that we would hear your voice, that you would talk to us, Lord, and we'd be careful to give you the praise. Lord, move in this place in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you'll just remain standing for a moment more, I want to read one verse of Scripture tonight. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And uh, if you're turning there, uh, I'll just take a brief moment while you're doing so uh, to say what an incredible... First of all, I want to say Pastor presented a very compelling message last Wednesday night. And I, I just said it earlier, but thank God for Pastor to speak into our lives, speak into our church. What a move of God we had last Wednesday night. And this past Sunday was just awesome. It was just next level. God moved a wonderful word uh, from Pastor uh, that he preached on the miracle working power of God, the, the possibilities that are, 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 are there when Jesus steps in. And so I'm just going to piggyback off of what Pastor did Sunday. We're just going to keep the theme going tonight, if that's okay. And that's why I asked you earlier, if God has a word for you tonight, receive it. There's something tonight, First Peter 4, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Now that's a, that's a good message right there. We could preach a while there, but that's not my subject tonight. My subject is this next phrase, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So tonight I just want to talk to you for a little while on the subject, hope to the end. Hope to the end. God bless you, and you may be seated tonight. Hope to the end. Some years ago, I came across a, a study. They, they looked at a wide variety of, of occupations, jobs that, you, that a person could hold, and they identified and ranked the most unfulfilling job that you could have. The first one is a fast food employee. Working as a fast food employee is the most, most unfulfilling job, at least by that study at that time. The second most unfulfilling job behind fast food is insurance policy processing. Now, I work for an insurance company, and at least a portion of what I do is insurance policy processing. So that was a very reassuring and comforting study to come across. Amen? And uh, so it got my attention, as you can well imagine. And uh, 
So I began, and, and without reading further in the, in the study or the article, I just stopped. What makes fast food restaurant employee and insurance policy an unfulfilling job? And the answer immediately became clear that you, it's a lot of hard work for very low pay. And uh, no, I knew about that, not really. Uh, the, the answer did present itself very, very rapidly. And here's, here's what they have in common, and here's what's more fulfilling. Um, in, in both cases, job is never finished. There's never a, a, a finished product or a finishing point. You, you know, if you're, a, if you're a construction employee, there comes a point in time, uh, Brother Marty, where you can step back, you're a carpenter, a painter, you can step back and say, wow, look, look at that. You know, did a good job. Um, if you're a landscape architect, you know, there's a point in time where you walk off the job site, collect your, your, your fees and say, wow, that really looks good. I did a good job. With fast food, there's always another customer, right? There's always another burger to, to make, another, another set of fries to put in a bag, and, and it just you, you get one customer satisfied, and there's one right behind it or behind them. The same is true with um, with insurance policy. It's never be finished with an insurance policy. You know, my job is to to business, to new policy, to put them on the books, and and we'll get them, we'll get it all taken care of. And and no sooner is it done than you got to make a change. They call them endorsements. You and personalized, they call them riders. You have to make a change. So you change something's different. You got to change an, an address, add an employee, lose an employee, whatever. And it never stops. There's never any end to it. It's just this cycle. And then and then even if you do get just this this happy, easy policy that you put to rest and it's done, 12 months later it comes up for renewal and you have to work on it again and, and look perspective of the renewal. So it, it's just this endless cycle that never stops. Oftentimes our life can be that way as well. It can, you know, we get on the figurative, there is no end to the work, to the stress, to the routine. It just goes on and on and on, and that's in the good times. It just bursts from there. We find ourselves oftentimes in a time of trial, a, a testing, times when things just aren't going well, and it seems like if one thing doesn't go well, nothing goes well. In a cycle that never ends. You get bad news from the banker, from the doctor, from the lawyer, from the law enforcement officer. Bad news from every angle. And it can feel at times hopeless, without hope. Like there is no end to the pain, no end to my, my dilemma, no end to what I'm going through. The suffering will be the cycle that I will have to live with forever. It's that time where your prayers hit the ceiling and just kind of bounce back down. It seems like it seems like there's no word from God. Seems like there's no help from, from anybody. Your best friend has no encouragement for you. The church has no encouragement for you. You're just in a place where there seems to be no answer, a place of hopelessness. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. But with God. But with God. Amen. Amen. But with God. I have noticed. Now stay with me here. I have noticed that there comes a point in every trial, every storm, a point in every dilemma when God steps in and says, it's time for me to wrap this up and bring it to a conclusion. He, step, he just has a way of stepping in and saying, it is finished. It is done. It is over. And so today, uh, tonight, I've come to challenge somebody.
If that's you tonight, if you're in a storm, a trial, a, a never-ending cycle of, 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 of battle and, and hardship, I'm telling you tonight and challenging you, lift your eyes above the stormy waves to see Jesus walking on the water, to see hope coming in the distance, to know that the answer is on the way. The prophet Jeremiah said prophetically, uh, God speaking through him, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good, or thoughts of peace rather, and not of evil, to give you a desired and expected end. An expected end. An end of the trial. An end of the suffering. The good news for you today is that it won't always be like it is right now. There is hope in sight. And I'll tell you tonight, I'm preaching that there's hope in sight now, in this life, and that we have to hope to the end. But even if it's not in this life, when you touch the golden streets of heaven and you get to the other side, there, there'll be an end to the suffering. There'll be an end to the pain. The dilemma will be over. Can you imagine waking up and there's no more pain in your body? Can you imagine waking up and seeing that God has answered your prayer, that he's moved in your life? No more tears in your eyes. I'm telling you that there is an answer on, your, on the way alive as the praise team often sings. Don't ever give up hope. Don't ever stop believing. Don't ever quit on your faith. The Bible says we are to hope to the end. You know, I, I, I share our, our personal testimony often. I, I try to lay off and, and not share every time. But I make no apology because uh, I, I shared a little bit of it Sunday morning with the adult Sunday school class again. I make no apology. Because, and I won't go through the whole story tonight, of course. But in short, you, most of you know Dawson was diagnosed and wound up moving to Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, found a place there and that, to be near St. Jude for him to be treated. And uh, after a year, a, 12, a complete 12-month cycle of all of that uncertainty, we made the best of it, did the most we could... All of that uncertainty, about 12 months into being in Memphis as, as permanent residents, we realized that we were reaching a breaking point. And I remember that day very clearly. Fair and I sat down, and, and we were both very stressed out and very uh, frustrated. And, 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 it, and, it, and the frustration, it's hard to explain, but it, it's frustration about the future. You just don't see a way out. We, you know, the, the, the question is, is where is all of this leading? Where, where do we go from here? Will it always be like this? And uh, the finances were getting thin. That was getting to be a very, a very serious situation. And, and we were worried about the kids. They, they, the, where we lived in Memphis, close to the hospital, was not near the church that we were attending. So there was not a lot of social uh, activity there for the kids. So there was that. There was the, uh, the, the school situation. What do you do about school? And then I have to tell you too, we, Fair and I have dedicated our lives to the kingdom of God and to the ministry that we feel like God has called us to. So there were, there were questions even about ministry. Like, Lord, you've got us in this place. What, what, are, you know, we've, what? what do you want us to do? What's ministry look like? What's our future in ministry look like? There, we, it all just kind of came crashing down on us that day. I remember very well just sitting there and being so frustrated. And in that moment, all you can do is just dig deep and hope. All you can do is dig deep and keep faith alive. Whatever small ember of faith you have, you just got to keep it kindled and keep it going. It was, uh, it was not too many days after that that 
that we got to come home and visit on a weekend and we were in church that Sunday and, and pastor asked me just to get up and, and the, and the, and the service and just give a real brief update, talk to the folks, let everybody kind of uh, check in with us, us check in with them. And I did that. Uh, I was so happy just to, just to be back in the pulpit at any level. It just felt so good to be in the presence of God with our church family. It was a wonderful service. But what I did not expect and what I did not know uh, is that during the altar service that Sunday, Brother Billy Thornton walked up to me, and this is what he said. He said, when you were in the pulpit giving your testimony and giving us your update, here's a quote. He said, I saw an end to your storm. I'm telling you, you got to hope to the end. You just got to hang on to the end. Oh, amen. Amen. You got to keep faith alive. You got to keep hope alive. And he said that prophetically. He said, I, I don't know what it looked like to him. He didn't describe it. But he said, I saw an end to your storm. And I'm here to testify. Pharaoh will, will verify. Dawson Lane will verify. Within six weeks, that entire situation turned around. Pharaoh got a job offer back at her old school that she was teaching at. We were back home uh, living in Baton Rouge, taking up residence in Denham Springs uh, within six weeks. Had the kids back in school back here at the church, plugged back in, everything, and on, almost on a dime, everything changed just like that because there was an end to the storm. You just have to hope to the end. Many years ago, many years ago, Fair and I sat in on one of those timeshare presentations. Has anybody ever heard of that? Has anybody ever sat in on one? Well, man, I'm going to tell you, they had us going. It all sounded pretty good. Looked like a good deal. I mean, they, they, everything you could imagine that's wrong with staying in a hotel, you know, you would never want to do that. You know, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. You got to invest in the timeshare. So they had us going pretty good, and then they wrapped up their presentation, and this is what they said. They said, all we need from you today is $30,000 down, and we can do the rest in installments. And I heard Farrah laugh. That's exactly what she did when they said that. She laughed out loud. <laughs> and I, was, I just breathed a sigh of relief. I was like, hey, there is no pressure here because I have not $30,000, so they ain't getting it from me. I, this is an easy no right here. But that particular timeshare company had a slogan. From the minute you walked in the door, it was everywhere. They kept repeating. I think they showed you a little video. It was all in the video. And this was their slogan. Today is the day. Today is the day that all of your dreams will come true for a down payment of $30,000. But that has stuck with me. I've never forgotten that. Um, I, I, and I loved, I loved the slogan then and I love it now. Today is the day. Today is a great day for a miracle. How do you know but what today could be the day that you get your answer? that you receive your miracle, that God steps into your situation and says it's time to turn this thing around. It could be today. Today could be the day. And you may ask, well, how do you know today is the day? Well, I will, I will ask you a question back. How do you know today is not the day? Amen. Amen. How do you know that God is not ready to move? So um, we're going to have a lot to say about about pastoral 30 years 
of pastoral ministry at Grace Church here in just a few weeks, but this I, I'm sharing this tonight going back a ways. Not about pastor, but it, it reminds me of those early days in Baker. Brother Alexander, whom you've, you've heard us talk about so much, he was, he was eccentric in some ways, but then he could be so prophetic too. Um, I, I've never seen anybody quite like him. And uh, oftentimes, you know, we were teenagers back then, and he would come up and he would just say something to you and then walk away and leave you there trying to figure out what it was he had just said and what he meant. One instant, one for example is he would often, often walk up to you, just walk up to you, no introduction, no prior warning, no nothing. He would just walk up and say, well, can you still walk on water? And then he'd turn around and walk off. And you're thinking... I was never walking on water in the first place, but I guess I'm still trying. Uh, and we would get a good laugh out of that. But Brother Alexander, as I said, he could, he could be so prophetic, and he was certainly a man of faith. And, um, and, and, what I, what's, and so that was in those days in Baker. But fast forward, when we did the groundbreaking ceremony out here for uh, the Alexander Center, uh, Brother Alexander's health was really failing him, but he was able to come. In a, in a wheelchair. And uh, it was at the last Sunday he was here. That was his last Sunday as, as, a, as being able to attend in person. And uh, pastor asked him and, and during that little ceremony, asked Brother Alexander if he, if he felt like saying something. And what he said was so profound that I got out my phone and I, I typed it down real quick because I wanted to catch it as verbatim as possible. And I, and I got pretty close, I do believe. But you have to understand, before I tell you what he said, he was referring to the history of what we now call Grace Church. For many years prior when the Murphys arrived, and it looked nothing like it does now. Campus didn't look anything like it does now. When brother, and, then, and then even before that, before the Murphys got here, when Brother and Sister Alexander and Sister Cassie were the only ones that would show up at a church service. And... Um, they, uh, they, would, they would gather around the piano and pray that God would send somebody to play the piano. And they'd gather around the, the pulpit and pray that God would send somebody to preach. And um, they, there were many times they showed up and it was just them. And so Brother Alexander, and what is his last Sunday at, at Grace Church, I, I didn't know that. That's very profound and poignant. What it was his last Sunday at Grace Church, sitting out there in his wheelchair at the groundbreaking uh, uh, ceremony. Uh, looking back at, at what God had done, looking out over this amazing campus, thinking ahead to what the Alexander Center would be, this is what he said. We were going down, and I didn't know it. We were on the downside, and I didn't know it. But then he said, there was a miracle about to happen, and I didn't know it. I want you to understand what he was saying there. That he had no way to know that in just a few days God was going to reach in and change a really bad circumstance forever. He had no way to know that just beyond his next prayer, just beyond the simple service where they barely kept the lights on, God was getting ready to move in a big way. God had decided the time was right to blow the fresh wind of the Holy Ghost, to send a man of God, to restore the years, to restore the tears, to reward the labor. God said, today is the day that I choose to move. And if God decides to move, nothing will stop him. For with God, 
All things are possible. How do you know but what today is the day that he wants to move in your life? He wants to move in your circumstance. Oh, if I were you tonight, I would lift my voice. I would lift my faith. And I would say, even so, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 What makes us think that we know what's about to happen in our situation? We don't. What makes us think we know what God's about to do? We don't. Only through the eyes of faith. Did not Jesus say, I am Alpha, Omega, beginning and end? Whatever you're facing in your life today, God doesn't just know the end. He is the be-all, end-all. He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Uh, in passing, let me say, uh, I just Romans chapter 4 is an amazing chapter. I'm not going to preach a lot there, but I do want to say, verse 18, verse 20. Abraham, who against hope... Believed in hope. We're talking about hoping to the end tonight. Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. And staggered not at the promise of God. You think you're in a hopeless situation. Imagine the promise that God had given Abraham to have a son, Abraham and Sarah. An impossibility. Couldn't happen. Biologically could not happen. Odds were overwhelming it would never happen but Abraham who against hope even when there was no hope still believed in hope he hoped to the end hallelujah um, I want to want to go to the Apostle Paul the story of his conversion he's riding along he sees a light from heaven hears a voice he struck off of his horse he struck blind and he's given instructions to go and wait for a man of God to come to him and give him further instructions. And so they have to lead Paul all. He cannot see. He's blind. They have to lead him away. And he just goes and waits. He's just there, blind. He's seen this light. He's heard the voice. He has no idea what's coming next. And I want to I emphasize that. We read Paul's conversion story in light of the fact that he was the greatest apostle that ever lived, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, at that moment, Paul did not know that any of that was going to happen. He didn't know he was going to be the greatest apostle. He just knew he'd been struck blind and was, was told to go stay at somebody's house until he got further instructions. So imagine he's sitting there uh, on day two. So he's got day one behind him. Here's day two. And he must be thinking, how long is this going to last? When am I going to hear from God? When am I going to get further instructions? How long will I have to be here, sitting here, blind? And probably all he can think is just, he's replaying the events in his mind. In my imagination, I'm thinking, he's just replaying the events in his mind. I heard a voice. I fell off my horse. I was struck blind. I was told to come and wait. You know, I, 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 I heard a voice. I fell off my horse. I was struck blind. I was told to come and see. Wait, I bet that was just going over and over and over and over in his mind. But then 
on day three, which probably has a lot of theological significance, if you stop and think about it, on day three, the sun comes up and everything changes. The man of God lays hands on Paul. The, the, the scales fall off of his eyes. He gets direction. He gets promise. He, he knows what the next step is. And he becomes the apostle Paul that we all know and revere, or that we've read of and know of from the scripture and revere. What I want to say is this. Some of you are just on day two. The good news is, is you're not on day one but you haven't made it to day three yet. So let me just tell you today, hold on. Day three is coming. Hope to the end. Hope to the end. Hope to the end. And so the apostle writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I believe what he's saying here. He's saying, I lived it. I may, uh, whatever I'm going through now, the blindness I might be receiving, the doubt that I might have, uh, have experienced, the, the lack of direction that I feel is lacking in my life. It's not going to last forever. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and glory in it because God has a purpose in this present suffering. And it's for a demonstration of God's power in my life. I believe if somebody can get a hold of that today and reprogram the way you think and know that what you're going through is to make you a better child of God and it is to demonstrate the power of God in your life. There is a purpose to the suffering. There is a purpose to the trial. Think it not strange the fiery trial which is to try you for when you come through it will be as pure gold. God does have a purpose for your life. He does have a reason why you're experiencing what you're experiencing and it's for the demonstration of his power. If you're in day two tonight, I'm telling you, hold on, because day three is coming. So tonight, I'm going to tell you, I can preach what I'm preaching with confidence because I know what happens when you get Jesus involved in your situation and in your trial. Pastor, again, preach, but with God. When Jesus gets into your life, when he gets into your circumstance, all options are on the table and all possibilities are in play. Consider Acts chapter 3 when we read of how Peter and John went to the temple to worship. And when they got there, they found a man outside the gates who was lame. The Bible says he was lame from birth. And we know the story, silver and gold have I none, such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The lame man immediately leaped and began to praise God. But understand, he had been lame from birth, from his mother's womb is what the Bible says. Later in Acts chapter 4, when he's recounting the miracle and telling his story, we find out that he was over the age of 40. He was over 40 years old when the miracle of healing took place. So think about that. For 40 plus years, he woke up every morning wondering, is today the day? Every day is today the day. No doubt there were days where he gave up hope altogether and just said, you know what? It's not meant for me. I'm not meant to be healed. Imagine that with me, if you would. 40 long years. When he got old enough, somebody took him out and set him there beside the gate so he could beg alms. 
And at the end of the day, somebody came and picked him up and, uh, and took him back home. Forty long years, day after day after day. But one day, the day Peter and John came through, that was his day. His day for the miracle. And this is what I believe the key is, our, our takeaway, our application from this passage. When the leaders of the synagogue and those that oppose what uh, the, the ministry of the church call Peter and John in for questioning over this miracle. The scripture says plainly, it says, they took note of Peter and John that they had been with Jesus. Being in Jesus' presence is the key. And so what I'm preaching today, that today could be your day. And, and if it's not today, hey, the sun's coming up tomorrow, tomorrow might be your day. Keep hope to the end. The key to keeping hope to the end is keeping Jesus in your life and keeping Jesus in your circumstance. If you're wondering how in the world could deliverance come, where in the world would hope come from, how can I get enough faith to keep going another day? I'm telling you, the answer is put Jesus in your life. Put Jesus in your situation. Get as close to him as you can because it's with him that all things are possible. When I'm in his hand, I know that everything is going to be all right. So our job today is to hope to the end. Don't ever stop hoping. And here's the hard part. But it's the part we have to endure to get to the answer, to the miracle. We just have to wait on the Lord. Psalm 37, 34. Psalmist wrote, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So tonight, now that your faith is high and rising, now that you believe God will, now what do we have to do? We have to obey the words of the psalmist, wait on the Lord. Hope to the end. Winning the winning is in the waiting, believing when you can't see it. Does not the scripture say faith is the substance of things hoped for? The substance of things hoped for. That's what faith is. The evidence of things not seen. So I'm quickly coming to a conclusion here. But I've kinda, I, I could have talked about this probably at any point in the message, but I've saved it for the very end for my conclusion. Because it's the part I want you to take home. It's the part I want you to remember most. Going back to our text. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. I don't know. Maybe I'm parsing words just a little bit here. Brother Donnie, I didn't go down into the Greek and, and all of that. And, and look at you know what tense the word was in and nothing like that. But I, I just happened to notice that it said uh, hope to the end. It doesn't say hope until the end says hope to the end so at the risk of parsing words and splitting hairs I thought well and I wish I'd have put it on the screen I don't have it for you so imagine maybe it could be said this way hope period to the end period in other words let this be your testimony he or she had hope to the end regardless of the outcome 
regardless if God answers your prayer in this life or in the life to come, let it be said of you and let it be said of me, we had hope to the end. And here it is. The philosopher and poet Ralph Waldo Emerson said everything I'm trying to say in one simple sentence, which is what makes him a great poet, made him a great poet. Put it all in one sentence. If I'd have just read this, we could have gone home, right? Here it is. He says it this way. It'll be on the screen. A hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is braver for five minutes longer. The person of extraordinary faith has no greater faith than anybody else. They just have faith for five minutes longer. The person that sees the answer to their prayer doesn't have any more faith than anybody else. They just have faith for five minutes longer. The person that sees God do a great victory in their life and perform a great miracle, they just held on when everybody else gave up. They just did what Brother Alexander said. I, I didn't even know a miracle was coming, but I just kept opening the church doors one more time. I just kept praying over that piano one more time. I just kept believing one more day. I just kept seeing when that sun would come up that today might be my day. That today the hope that I have may come to fruition. If you believe that today, would you stand with me and let's just clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. I have good scripture for this, by the way. I am a very positive person. I talked to somebody yesterday. They said, I'm a glass half full kind of person. They were talking about themselves. And I said, oh, yeah, said, boy, I'm in good company right here because I'm the same way. I'm not even a glass half full kind of guy. I'm a glass is full and overflowing kind of guy. It's just a fault, okay? And it, it can be a fault. It's not always as good as it sounds. But tonight, I'm not just being overly optimistic and overpositive. Have good scripture for this. The Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm telling you, hang on to the next sunrise. Hang on and keep hope to the end because joy is coming in the morning. Here's what I'd like us to do by, by way of conclusion. Why don't you, just somebody nearby, if you feel comfortable, grab their hand, put your hand on their shoulder. Let's just minister to one another. What I can tell you tonight is in a crowd this size, there are a host of needs. There are a lot of people facing a lot of things. Some situations seem hopeless. There seems like maybe there's no end. You don't know what the person next to you is going through. So pray for them right now in light of this message, in light of the faith that's in this room. Could we just minister to one another for just a few moments here in the closing moments of this service? Jesus, I thank you for the promise of your word. I believe everything you've said to us tonight. Lord, I don't doubt it even for a moment. Lord, if with God all things are possible. Lord, every option is on the table. Every possibility is in play because you are here, because we're in your presence. And Lord, because we're calling on your name for our, our need and for our situation, I believe, God, that we're going to come back very soon and hear reports of the miracles that you did from this point tonight. Lord, I pray for that one standing next to me. I pray for that one that's beside me. Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but you do. And you know, God, they needed this word tonight. They needed a boost in their faith. And Lord, now that their faith is...
is high and rising. Lord, we're going to keep hope alive. We're going to hope to the end. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray again, Lord, for the Adams, God, for Patrick and his wife and, and Bryn, Lord. I pray for the, this family, God. I believe, Lord, that we're going to see you do something awesome. I believe, Lord, you're going to reward faith. I believe it's going to be to the glory of God. I call your name over that situation one more time. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. One more time, Grace Church. Shout with a voice of triumph. Shout with faith. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God has our church on a track. Um, I, I just believe if you, if you look back with me over the last, uh, over the summer, and the messages we've heard from pastor, from guest ministers, on, on through, God has had a very specific path we're on, and he's wanting us to know that he is with us in the storm. He's wanting to know that he'll never leave us, wanting us to know he'll never leave us or forsake us. He is fighting on our behalf. So leave tonight with your faith high, with hope to the end. God, I am going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep believing until I see my miracle. God bless you tonight. We'll see you back here Sunday. Have a great evening. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.